Maybe if you don't want to talk, you could just listen. Warm-ups. All right, gang, what is happening? What is happening? I am Mal Foster, and you are listening to your third favorite, above average, but infinitely curious podcast, Dined Out. By the way, before we do dive into this, I do think I am going to snag the, the tagline of infinitely curious as like the catchphrase for this show, because it really is. You know, it's something that I've noticed doing the edits for this season so far that I keep saying over and over again. It's like a reference point. And so it it really is sort of indicative of what we're doing here is indicative of the reason I started doing this in the first place, because I am myself by my very nature, infinitely curious about lots of different things. So, yeah, I think after how many ever episodes we've done now, I think we actually have a subtitle and a tagline and maybe something for merch if we ever get to that point. Who knows? But it's there. Infinitely curious. Yeah, I like that. This week, we are going to be talking to a fellow curious mind, a multi-talented, absolutely charming human being who is focusing her energy on other human beings. This week, we are talking to the wonderful Brandy Fleck of Human Amplified. Now, we're going to get into who Brandy is and what Human Amplified is as well in a lot more detail, but I'm going to just briefly read you the mission statement from their website to give you an idea So it is a blog, it is a podcast, it is a multifaceted indie media company that is on a mission to revamp society by amplifying your humanity. And that is a really apt way of describing what Human Amplified is and what Brandy is doing with Human Amplified. As I said, in the episode we're going to get into it, we're going to dig into the nitty gritty of it and what she is doing, what she's learned. But yeah, I first came into contact with Brandy through the podcast circuit. I've worked with Brandy, I've done an episode of Human Amplified, which we'll talk about in the episode and more details on that later. Uh, I wrote a blog piece for it, but yeah, it's basically a great open source for people to open up, open up themselves, open up their stories, talk about their experiences, just be and communicate and connect with other people. It is a real multifaceted beast that is just growing by the day and you definitely want to go check it out by visiting the website humanamplified.com. But yeah, this uh, this episode was really fun to do. We tapped into so many interesting ideas about communication, about connectivity, about empathy, about understanding, learning, growth. We tap into the idea of identity with social media and technology, in particular the differences between online instant gratification and digital validation versus genuine long-term relationship building through technology. So much good stuff in this conversation, but rather than index everything you're about to hear... Let's get into it. This is me talking to the ever-wonderful Brandy Flank about all of that and so much more. I'm just going to give a heads up to you and to everybody else. Uh, My cat is being somewhat vocal. Uh, more vocal than usual. Uh, so if you can pick this up at any point, that's what's happening. She's happy. She's been fed. She's been looked after. She's just uh, wanting attention, which is not unusual. Yeah, I have a cat too, <laughs> and she might scratch on the door. I'm oh, okay. Be honest, oh, great. So. It's, it's kind of like a virtual cat club. <laughs> yeah. Which is an idea that I can get behind. Uh-huh. Me too. Um, how was your holiday season? Before we kind of jump into anything heavy and serious, how was your holiday season? How is your new year in particular? How is that going? It's early stages, yes, but how is it so far? Yeah, um, well, the holiday season just for me and my family was great. You know, we got a lot of quality time and it was it was amazing. Although this year, I didn't quite feel in the Christmas spirit as mm-hmm. much as I normally have, but that's okay. Um, it was what it was. And, yeah. um, but you know, I live about 15 to 20 minutes outside of Nashville, Tennessee, and there was a suicide bombing yeah. in the city on Christmas morning. So that sort of 
that happened. Christmas morning, we lost internet and we were without, you know, we have AT&T for our phones and our internet and our cable. So we were off the grid for two days and didn't really know what was going on for part of that time. And um, so it was sort of like Christmas was the calm before the storm for us. And then Mm -hmm. when we realized what had happened, it was like, wow, it was a huge sort of devastation. Yeah, that must have been extremely surreal, especially not because I will kind of tap into this in in a little bit, I think, because we're going to head into the realm of technology later on in the show. But yeah, the fact that we have become so reliant on information, especially about things that are in our immediate vicinity and circle, sort of being off the grid, especially during such a surreal and I imagine pretty scary time must have been a bit daunting to say the least. Yeah, it well, it was interesting because, you know, <laughs> like our families couldn't get through to us, yeah. but, you know, they're not all on AT&T. So some of them still had cell service and they were trying to get through to us and they were like, what is going on? You know, why can't we get a hold of them? And um, yeah, I guess that's <laughs> <laughs> just like one less stressful huzzah before the end of the year, I guess. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, thank God nobody was um, seriously injured. and. Sure. Um, we saw some body cam footage from one of the police officers that were on the scene before the bomb went off Mm -hmm. and it was super eerie, but, um, they handled it. I mean, they got so many people out of there based on a tip, you know, before it even went off. So I was like, this is an insane miracle. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Cause it's, it's, it really is one of the last things in in a very unpredictable year to say the least. It's one of the last things you would probably imagine happening on Christmas morning. Yeah. Crazy. Um, but how has your new year been so far? Um, are you, are you a new year's person? Are you somebody that actually looks forward to the idea of resetting the calendar and and kind of like the whole fresh slate? Uh, No, no. (laughs) I'm not. Okay. No, that tells me everything. (laughs) (laughs) What? So I, I'm a really goal-driven person in general. Mm-hmm. And so I refresh and reset literally anytime <laughs> I need to. To me, I like to be in the flow of sort of like natural life. Mm-hmm. And so in the springtime, especially when everything is like newly beginning and emerging from all of the cold winter and like just things like that, that's a good time to start new things, even though I say, you know, I like to do things. I like to set goals and and start new things whenever I want to, but spring, I think is more of a natural flow point for that, for me anyway. Yeah, no, I can see that. I can see that. As you say, it's, it's emerging from like the the cold decay of winter and where things are now beginning to sort of grow and sort of be born for the first time or, or sort of become revitalized. Yeah. It's a good way of putting it actually natural flow of, of sort of change. Mm-hmm. I like that. So you are, I think I introduced you in the last episode, the tail end of the last episode, as the spinner of multiple plates when it comes to human amplified. Uh, first and foremost, before we dive into it, what is human amplified? Uh, where did it come from? We're kind of going to get into where people can find it towards the tail end, which I do highly encourage everyone listening to go check out. But what actually is it? And and how did it come to be? Sure. Well, um, so... I sort of call us an indie media company that Mm -hmm. focuses on personal development through communication. And by communication, I mean like creativity, art, writing, storytelling, um, things of that nature. And so we have a podcast, we have a blog. I just put out uh, an ebook recently. And then we also have... um, a lot of cool things coming in 2021, which I don't know if I should announce them all right now, but yeah. It's entirely up to you. If you want to tease material or not, it's on you. I won't necessarily announce everything, but we're going to have some educational resources available later in the year and more art and, and things that are community and connection driven. And so, but yeah, we're, you know, mainly a podcast and a blog right now. And, um, mm-hmm. The mission is to revamp society by amplifying your humanity. And so that sort of goes with how it came about. So back in 2018, a lot of mass shootings had happened up until that point. But 
one particular mm-hmm. one that really hit home for me was the mass shooting in Las Vegas. And like all the details are even blurry to me now at this point. Like, I don't even remember exactly everything that happened, but at the time I was working for a company that has a huge presence in Vegas. And so it's sad that something has to sort of, you know, it's a problem, but it sort of has to hit close to home before it becomes like real to you. And Yeah. Um, that's sort of what happened. You know, um, I had been sent to Vegas for work three times in that year. I had people who were close to me who could have been there at that concert when the shooting broke out. And I just thought, you know, what can I do? All the mass shootings before, of course, had weighed heavily on me, but I didn't know what to do. I was like, how could one little person just stop this massive problem. And I mean, I can't, I haven't gone out and like, you know, done anything with gun laws or anything like that. But my answer was, well, what are my talents? What are my strengths? What can I bring to society that could help people see that they're not alone and that they don't have to make the choices that these people made to take them down this road, right? I thought hurting people hurt Mm. people. And we live in a society with all these systems that sort of perpetuate that hurt. Yeah. And we have good systems too. And there are great things about our existence in our society, but we don't have to keep perpetuating that hurt that then builds and builds and then our free will sets in and we make these choices to either hurt other people or get better. So I've got a degree in mass communications and I've been a writer uh, professionally for over 15 years and I've been an artist my whole life. So I was like, I was like a podcast is the way to go. You know, I was like, I've done blogs before and, um, but I really wanted another element of personal storytelling to be there because I just really set out to want to humanize people, you know, and show examples of people who have been through hard things, but still make good choices and choose to harness that energy into a positive life path. And then, you know, also sprinkle in some expert advice along the way to just sort of help people in whatever way they need it. So that was the the seed uh, was that mass shooting. And then I made it happen. And we started out as a podcast called On Being Human. And, you know, it was sort of more trauma-based than what we are now, but it has since evolved. And like you said, we're human amplified now. So I think that's actually a good natural progression, because if you think about you, you start, anybody that goes through any sense of trauma starts with that trauma, whether they are fully conscious of it or not, Mm -hmm. it's there. And that's the base of what comes afterwards. Yeah. And from that, you know, hopefully with the right tools of communication, with the right outreaches, the right platforms, the, the right sort of accessibility, the, the comfort that maybe they are needing after uh, that trauma that's set in, then you begin to live. Then you begin to let go. You begin to find interests. You begin to uh, maybe trust people a little bit more. Yeah. You maybe begin to venture outside a little bit more. So yeah, I like that. I like that it's kind of, you started with that nucleus and then it's kind of has evolved and it has become, and I think that's a really good title for it as well, Human Amplified, because it has gone from that and it's increased the spectrum of of what it means to be human and like the the loudness of of living, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, Mal. That's awesome. It's really interesting that you you kind of decided to to go into podcasting based and and it's to kind of tie back to the idea of the fact that the the Vegas shooting kind of resonated with you because it had a sort of personal touch to it Mm -hmm. I think that is is very true I think you know we all well hopefully we all kind of have a degree of empathy when terrible things happen yeah but I think it does you know it kind of no pun intended amplifies itself when (laughs) it is more of a touchstone where it has more of a personal connection when you do think oh I've been there several times. I used to live there. I know people that still are in that area. It Mm -hmm. kind of makes you think, okay, it kind of gives that more sort of weight and heft to the issue, I guess. Yeah. But I think the same works when you have 
people telling their stories through the medium of podcasting because it's not just written words Mm -hmm. and this is not me discrediting writing because I would be a huge hypocrite if I did that because you can you can you can sort of attach and connect to people's voices through written word but hearing people speak is a little bit different because you may hear somebody that sounds like someone you know or maybe has an accent from the same region as you or is using vernacular or like a a dialect or just words in general or phrases that are in your own sort of vocabulary uh and I feel like that can help relate with that sort of attachment yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah you can kind of pick up on that and be like okay maybe I don't quite relate to what the person's saying but I relate to how they're saying it or vice versa. Maybe I don't relate to how they're saying it, but I do relate to the things they're talking about. Right. And I think also just the idea of hearing other people's voices, talking openly and frankly about things uh, is, is just, it is a real point of relatability. So I think like it, it's a really interesting choice that you went for podcasting. Is this something that you've been thinking of doing for a while? No, actually. So, <laughs> Well, you know, we started in 2018. I want to say I made the decision to go the podcast route in April of 2018, incorporated in June of 2018, and then launched the podcast in October of that year. And I had wanted to sort of have a little side gig or something as a creative outlet for a long time. And I wanted it to be sort of like this blog, sort of like this lifestyle, just interesting platform for, you know, people to tell stories, but it wasn't until the shooting where I was like, okay, how can this actually make change? And it hit me that using voices and sort of this other medium was like you said, a way for people to relate. I mean, when you hear someone's voice, that means they're real. You're not just right. seeing something on the screen or like, if I think to, um, gosh, if I think about road rage, and this is going to sound like a tangent, but <laughs> when, <laughs> Go for it. when you're in a car, sort of like when you're on the internet, internet trolls or whatever, when you're in a car and somebody cuts you off, you're looking at the car, you don't know that person, you get pissed off and you're like, oh, this, you know, this jerk just cut me off by hope something bad happens to them or whatever. Like it happens to all of us. We get, Uh we get mad. But like, if that was your mom or your sister or your best friend, you wouldn't say that. Even if they accidentally cut you off, you would give them grace to make that mistake because we're all human and we all make mistakes like that. And, and so when you hear somebody's voice and their personal, really personal story, it, it makes people real I think oh absolutely yeah it adds like that extra dimension to them yeah you know it makes them more three-dimensional as it were uh, that's that's a good way of putting it yeah because like everyone's done that everyone's sort of had that moment of road rage where you've just cursed and you've just screamed at somebody for for being like an asshole on the road but <laughs> yeah. as you say if it's somebody that you know you'd be like oh, oh whatever yeah so since doing the show what have you learned about human behavior and human nature in general, or just in specifics? Like, what have you learned from doing it so far? I've learned a ton. I, it's been invaluable. But overall, I would say the most common theme in people's conversations and their analysis on what it means to be human is about connection. And so I'm going to I'm going to try to explain something that is sort of complex in my head but that I think about a lot and that the show doing the show since 2018 has sort of validated for me which is um you know we live in our individual bodies you know we are a universe in and of ourselves because mm, sure. it's just all these systems of animation and mind, body, spirit, all these things that make us be in existence, but we can only experience that existence through our own perspective. Right. But at the same time, people's perspectives are highly influenced. And this has been evident in the show. Their perspectives are highly influenced by the experiences that they've gone through for their their whole lives. And there can be 
really impactful experiences like trauma, or there can be just small experiences that build up every day that don't seem significant, but it all influences our perspective through our singular universe. Well, those experiences are all impacted by everyone else's individual universe. So we are all highly connected in that regard, in that who we are and what we experience individually is made up of all the actions and experiences and interactions of all the people around us. Mm -hmm. So we're operating in this sort of, um, I want to say duality. Existence is full of duality, light, dark, fear, love, clarity, distortion, and human existence is balancing that duality as we experience it with everyone else. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of, um, in a nutshell, it's all about connection, but just by hearing people's personal stories and seeing how their perceptions and lived experiences have been influenced by others and also how their perceptions come out uniquely from everyone else's, but also have similarities. It blows my mind a little bit, but I think that that is sort of the essence of human nature Mm -hmm. is balancing duality and balancing the individual with the collective. It's really, it's really interesting you bring this up because one thing that I've been looking at, like duality is something that does fascinate me, the idea of having two opposing opposites and then there obviously being a spectrum in between mm-hmm. um, and sort of finding a balance and everything is, everything is different. I mean, it is a big thing to comprehend and even try and understand, let alone explain, because it is of such a huge magnitude. But the idea that there is a, there is a duality to everything, as you say, there are endpoints, alpha and omega, black, white, day, night, etc. But there are Obviously, you don't just go from first thing in the morning to last thing at night. You have a day in between. Yeah. And it's interesting, like, how, for me, going through different stages in life, uh, I used to be more, like, find end start point for a lot of things. Like, it was either either or, one or the other. Whereas Mm -hmm. now, I think, and it is, I think, partly through listening to other people, dealing with other people, communicating, uh, learning about other people's previous histories experiences cultural upbringings and stuff it really kind of does bring you more towards the middle point and shows you the wiggle room that's in there but it's interesting that you bring up the idea of uh like the influence of other people because one thing that i've been really interested in lately is is determinism and the idea that everything and it's it's a sort of theoretical idea that everything happens because something else has happened before it Uh, versus the idea of free will like how free are we in our own decisions and choices based on how much are those choices and decisions formulated by things that have happened actual things that have happened and and yeah you can link it into like you shrink it down to a, a micro size and look at something like we wouldn't be having this conversation if I hadn't gone up this morning, if I hadn't have turned on the computer, if I hadn't plugged in the microphone, like little things like that. But then you can also zoom way out and look at it from a macro point of view and think, okay, well, I wouldn't be having this conversation with Brandy had I not done this eight years ago and had that thing that I'd done eight years ago not led to this. Well, you could go all the way back. Like, it's incredible and just, it is mind blowing how, how just big in scale the idea is but yeah it's something that really interests me the idea of the things we do being influenced by things that happen but also the things that we surround ourselves with whether that be people places information etc yeah I really love that you just took that from micro to macro Mm -hmm. and made that point because I think that human existence and human nature can be looked at in a similar way in terms of human existence is sort of another level on that spectrum of just Mm -hmm. existence. So like when you look at our existence, right? Like you say, if I say each human is a universe and since there are multiple people, uh, you know, humanity is a multiverse, 
we are actually a little microcosm of a bigger pattern in the universe based on that Fibonacci pattern Mm -hmm. that is inherent in nature and the universe. And so to say we exist at this level, universes and multiverses have to exist at a different level as well. So like we are proof (laughs) that there is all of these other things that we might think don't exist, right? Like the sky is the limit. You can also go into our bodies and look at just a singular cell as its own little universe. It's its own little, yeah, it's its own little body. It has all of these little pieces and parts that make it function the way it does. And you can't even see it with the human eye, but it's, it's a singular thing. But then combined with all the other singular things, you get a human. And so we are the cells in the human race, and we make up this whole collective that is a living thing, even though we are individuals within it. So it's like, at the end of the day, it's all just the same. It's all infinity. Like, <laughs> the, it's the, all the same. The scope is huge. When you, when you think about it like that, yeah, we are, like, uh, biologically, we are a combination of cells. Of, of of particles essentially of matter and that's just like the physical essence then you dig into like what makes us us uh mm-hmm. you know like our thought patterns our likes our dislikes our beliefs you know and that in yeah. its own is its own as you put it universe it's it is mind-blowing but infinitely fascinating like if you take a second anybody listening and i, I just encourage you to do this because it's things that we don't really truly think about that often but just sit for a second and think for me to be here right now listening to this there are so many like in innumerable unquantifiable things having to work together at the same time exactly yeah and that's kind of like society as a whole you know we might not get on with people we might have and as this past year has proven we may have very differing views from other people um but we we are all here together and we're all that we've got (laughs) for better or worse yeah it's true so I want to know uh what is it that you've learned about yourself since starting the show if anything yeah yeah um well I've I've learned a lot about myself too but there are three main things that I think stand out to me and one is that I have crushing phone anxiety. <laughs> okay. Um, and we can talk more about that if you want to, but uh, yeah, we can do, I can talk for days about that. Cause it is a real thing that I've had for a long time. Yeah. It, it, and it's to the point where like, if I have a guest who wants to have a phone call and I've never said this to anyone, but if I, if I have a guest that wants to have a phone call before the interview uh-huh. to sort of get to know each other, as opposed to an email conversation or a text conversation, that is a, a huge <laughs> blocker for me, not yeah. because I don't like the guest, but it's because I, I have such a hard time getting over that spontaneity for the initial right. phone call. Yeah. And it's not that I have to plan everything and I can't be spontaneous, but it's just like, how am I going to carry the conversation? What do I say? Well, I don't know. And then it just is, it's a lot. So even though I can do it and I've done it a million times, it just takes a lot out of me to do it. And it's hard. I can imagine, I've not had that, but I can imagine that it's a little bit of a strange one because I think uh, particularly with with what you do over at Human Amplified, you kind of want to have that sort of spontaneity. You kind of want to have that, okay, I want to get as much of a raw and honest portrayal of this person as possible. But if I've talked to them for half an hour before and we've maybe not quite rehearsed what's going to happen, but I kind of have an idea. We've set the stage. It's kind of maybe not going to have the same effect. Obviously, I mean, we do work spontaneity into the interviews and things like that, but um, I don't know. It's just been an interesting learning and personal development process in that regard and relating to people in how they're comfortable and getting over my own discomfort. I mean, everybody's different in how they want to approach, you know, just their story and it, how they want to be comfortable with me before they tell me the story. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been a huge area of growth for me Yeah, is, you know, I want 
like you say, guests to be comfortable and things like that with telling their story. And so I'm working really hard on that. (laughs) (laughs) Secondly, and this is something that has been really interesting to me. Well, first of all, I guess it was validated for me that when you give people a chance to be heard, they sort of blossom. People mostly appreciate that and they want to be heard. Mm -hmm. And so that has been something that's been interesting to see over the years, how people didn't even know that they had something to say, but maybe I, you know, encouraged them to just come on the show. And once they did, they just were like, wow, you know, I had no idea that I even had that much to say. And so that's been fun. And then one other thing that has, that I have learned that I am capable of doing, which maybe, I don't want to sound like an ass, because I feel (laughs) like this is going to sound sort of weird like that, but maybe not, is I can help people see good in themselves where they maybe can't see it. Yeah. It's weird because there have been times when I have literally just put together a write-up or a summary of a show or like a little bio for somebody that literally just has facts in it that they gave me about themselves. But when I present it to them, they're like, wow, you really made me sound good. Like (laughs) I sound way better than I really am. And I'm like, no, actually this is you. Mm -hmm. This is all you be proud of it, you know? And so I think that there's something in that being able to show people the good parts of them that they maybe haven't recognized. Absolutely. And, and I think that is true. And I think, I think, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying just a second ago, I think everybody in some way or another, and it all, again, it kind of goes back to what we're talking about in terms of of duality and there being a sort of middle ground. Some people, Mm -hmm. Uh, consciously really don't want to talk about what what it is that is bothering them or what it is that's going on with them or, or whatever it is that's within them consciously but I think subconsciously we all do I think the idea that we we as you say want to be seen want to be heard that is like a core component to everybody no matter how different they are everybody wants to be seen as as valid and as acknowledged by other people in some way or another again sliding scale but I think uh, that some people don't give themselves enough credit at how well they can communicate that because they're not talking in reams of paragraphs. They're not like great auteurs. They're not somebody that naturally is uh, prone to talk with great depth and a big vernacular about everything that they've experienced and who they are, but they can talk uh, in little pieces and non-verbally as well. And this is one of the reasons why I'm not a phone person. It's why I have phone phobia. Because I like to see how people are engaged physically and like emotionally. And I feel like there's a real cutoff with that on just a phone call. Absolutely. Even if I know who they are, I'm just like, I don't know if I'm boring you to death or not. (laughs) Exactly. I, you just hit the nail on the head because like Zoom calls, I could take a Zoom call on a video with somebody Mm -hmm. that I don't know. And it's like, oh, sure. Let's Zoom. But like, yeah that those little like micro expressions just being able to read body language is mm-hmm. super important i think oh for sure but yeah i think i think going back to what i was just saying yeah i think everybody on some level wants to talk about stuff uh whether they they know it or not or they feel that or not so yes, yeah, the, yeah the idea of being seen and acknowledged is is that but yeah i think yeah I've, so by not wanting to get on the phone we're like no we want to see you yeah <laughs> yeah exactly that's while it. we hear you that's it it's don't take any offense we want to see you and hear you we want more <laughs> of you that's it yes. it's not that we don't want to speak to you we just want more of you all right so you no doubt have had some fantastic stories and from what i've seen and what i've heard from uh, both on being human and human amplified you've had some real interesting sort of deep personal poignant stories people really opening up about some some real heavy shit but like yeah. <laughs> but like good like in in a good like you feel like some of the stuff i've heard and, and read it feels like people are just getting that cathartic release yeah and letting their story out and forgiving sort of air to to what they've been through and what they've experienced and what they've sort of had going on with them 
Um, mm-hmm. Are there any stories for you personally that have stuck out or left like real deep, deep impressions? Yes. And I have to say, I vividly remember making every single episode that's on the show. Mm-hmm. And um, so like, when thinking about this question, it is really hard to choose because there are parts of people's stories that have stuck with me, um, you know, for years. But I guess if I had to choose one, I would say that the episode with Belinda Harvey, I can't remember the exact episode number at this point, but it is called No Justice, No Peace. That's a really poignant one for me. And I was really humbled that she wanted to come on the show. And what was so interesting about it was with her story, she is a successful, highly successful black woman in corporate America. She's a sales executive. She's worked with a fortune 100 company for the last 30 years. And when all of the civil unrest was happening in 2020 and people were starting to wake up to the systemic racism that's in our society. She found herself sort of in the spotlight at work, trying to help all of her white colleagues understand, (laughs) you know, where she's coming from and what it's like to be in the workplace and some of the social injustices that have happened. And so she, she came on the show and she told us about her upbringing, about growing up in a rough neighborhood in LA, watching the systemic just murder after murder of um, black person in our society where nothing was done about it. Mm -hmm. No justice was served. And When all of this was happening, she actually has a history of activism in her family. Her grandfather was, I think, the president of the NAACP back in the Jim Crow South era in Alabama. So it sort of woke up her activism from within. So it was just, just listening to her evolution and all of the emotions and overwhelm that happened And seeing that on the micro level, as it was happening on the macro level in our society, was just really uh, made a huge, huge impression. Yeah, that's like two simultaneous lenses being applied to a topic at the same time. Yeah. You know, on on one hand, yeah, it's it's, uh, the circumstances that ultimately, again, led to the sort of uprising of, of civil rights action last year. Awful. But the fact that it's it's awoken such a, a sort of burst of consciousness, like long overdue consciousness, is is great to see. But at the yeah. same time, I imagine dealing with with her story and listening to her story, as you say, on the micro level, uh, mm-hmm. how she's dealing with that in the current time, having to, yeah, like that's got to be a real push pull of emotions for her, especially as you say, like being in in the midst of of a number of sort of white employees who are going through that and who are maybe just only then realizing that this shit has been going on for god knows how long yeah and she's having to to deal with i imagine like so much a lot of frustration at the fact that only you're only now just realizing but at the same time the sense that okay maybe here's a turning point particularly within my work environment where yeah. I, can, I can kind of help those that have been when I asked her too, I was like, are you okay with having to like spend your energy educating, you know, all these people. And she was like, well, on on one hand, you know, I'm really happy that they want to know. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, I'm like, I wish you guys already knew, (laughs) you know, and, and I wish I didn't have to do this because I'm, I'm spending my energy doing all of these other things to survive this, like, trauma of living in a society that doesn't value you know her life as much as other lives it's just it's yeah it's crazy it is crazy and i think it's like i I think hopefully one of the few things that this last year has has hopefully given people to sort of mentally digest over is is to look into things is is Mm -hmm. to you know, it's great to have people that have lived that life, to have that experience, to get the authentic, personable connection to. 
but you can't just rely solely on them. It's not fair to, you need to do your own research into this and exactly. look into things. So yeah, for sure. you know, nobody is your Wikipedia, you know? <laughs> yeah. One super fun episode. I have two particular guests that I can mention besides Belinda. One really great episode was with Susie Kerr Wright, and she is a well-known Nashville astrologer and psychic medium. Oh, wow. And I was just sort of like blown away that she would want to come on my show. (laughs) And it was just so much fun talking to her, listening to her explain planetary alignments and the history behind astrology, and then what it's like to actually be a medium and speak to your deceased loved ones was just, I thought it was really fun episodes. So like, while there are a lot of heavy episodes that are very important, it's nice to just have fun with a lighter one every now and then. So that's, that's a good one for that. And um, there is a couple who I have had on the show three different times so far. And the wife in this couple has also been a guest blogger on the website. And I just can't get enough of their story. (laughs) And (laughs) I don't think the listeners can either. It's Tiffany and Josh Thomason. So they're in episodes seven, eight, and 43. And basically, Tiffany has been diagnosed with several rare diseases. And Josh, her husband, takes care of her when she needs it. And so just hearing her shift her mindset when she needs to and be adaptable and advocate for herself when maybe healthcare providers aren't listening is just really inspirational. And so they're a good story to listen to. Also, they were some of the first people I ever invited onto the podcast. And as I was interviewing them, um, this was the eighth interview I had ever done. Mm -hmm. And I remember this because it was October 27th, 2018. And we were talking and I was nervous because I wasn't super experienced. And they, I got several phone calls during their interview. And then I started getting texts and I just ignored them because I'm like, we're recording. I'm not going to pause this. I want it to go in one take because I don't know if I can edit this right now, you know, because I was so new. Um, When I got off the call with her, And her husband, I had these phone calls were my ex-brother-in-law telling me that my ex-husband had died. Oh. And so that moment interviewing them will forever be (laughs) like cemented in my brain. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, I know it's not related to the actual episode we did, which ended up being great anyways but I can never not think about that right. moment of course you know? it's been a while now but that's a heavy milestone to have attached to like yeah that's not something yeah that you're, you're likely to forget can I ask how did you feel about that when you when you found it out oh god I um I went out into my living room and just literally screamed probably like the loudest scream I've ever screamed in my entire life. Like if you could imprint energy on a place and time, Mm -hmm. like so much expended out of me at that moment that like, I feel like it's forever etched in time, like in that one spot, it was just, um, it was really bad. Even though we weren't married, you know, he, he was a very important person in my life for a lot of years. And he is the father of my biological son. I have four sons, but, Mm -hmm. um, uh, and it was just, it was hard. Yeah. I felt really devastated. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, a tough one and a tough one that you can't as you say that's like latched on to that episode and, and I'm sure it doesn't like deter any any positive thoughts about that episode and how it turned no. out but yeah it's it's one of those things it's it's just uh, you know alignment 
of things happening at, at times. You can't stop things from happening. You can't. There are certain things you can't stop from happening and prevent from from happening, and there are certain things you can't detach from things. Yeah. But but yeah. Wow. I'm going to put all those episodes as bullet points in the show notes for people to go and check out. And it seems like, as you say, there's a good mix there. You've got some, some obviously some heavy stuff, some pretty life-affirming stuff, um, some interesting stuff for sure with the medium. Uh, got to ask, did you go into that episode with any sense of skepticism or is that something that you believe in? Oh, no skepticism at all okay. on my end. All right. okay. <laughs> and I let me just say, I had had a group reading with her one time and then a private family reading Mm -hmm. with her a second time before we did this episode. And in one of her readings, an aunt had come through that I hadn't seen since I was like seven or eight years old, but apparently this aunt is with me a lot. And she told me, um, when you go back to West Virginia, look for her spaghetti recipe. It's in a, it's in a box ask for it, look for it. Your family's going to love it because I had just started dating my now husband and meeting my um, stepsons. And um, when I went back to West Virginia, I asked my uncle, I was like, Hey, did my aunt leave a recipe box laying around, you know, by chance. Mm -hmm. And um, it was there and it had a spaghetti dinner recipe in it and we Mm. made it and they loved it. And I was like, Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. so that's very anyway. specific wow yeah yeah okay can so I say no. I'm fully convinced because I, I am I am more of a skeptical kind of person but with everything Randy I'm, I'm just like skeptical on the on the verge of nihilism some days well uh, you know it, <laughs> some skepticism's healthy oh sure well this is the thing I think it is healthy to question everything you know um it's otherwise you just kind of fall into like this sort of conveyor belt aspect of, of just of standing still and letting everything take you where it takes you i think questioning everything is, is healthy but yeah that's uh it's interesting i would uh, i'm definitely going to check that out for sure <laughs> okay so i want to i want to ask you this and we're going to kind of maybe deep dig into a little bit of some deeper stuff here uh the the idea of being open is obviously something that is is very central to what you're doing with human amplified uh, the idea of, of people feeling comfortable to open up about things. Again, whether that's something that is joyous, whether it's something that's been uh, testing, something that's been tragic, the idea of being open and allowing yourself to be vulnerable. I personally feel this is something that I've began to discover slowly over the last few years. For me personally, is is really good. Uh, I to some degree still I'm very closed off but I am learning to open myself up a little bit more and I am feeling the sort of freedom that comes with that and the sort of uh I guess the 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 goodness for lack of a much better word that comes with that uh I want to know has listening to other people tell their stories and allow themselves to be vulnerable has that helped you uh embrace your uh, sort of relationship with vulnerability at all or is that something that you've been quite comfortable with for some time in terms of my personal relationships, I feel like I've always been pretty comfortable being vulnerable mm. to a degree. You know, yeah. it, it depends on who you're talking to. But in terms sure. of opening up publicly, absolutely. It's, um, you know, and, and you don't have to give everything of yourself away publicly. Mm-hmm. But in terms of telling the stories that could help other people, um yes for sure I i've mean, been inspired yeah definitely. there's definitely a big difference there and i'm glad you bring that up that's something i didn't actually uh, look at but yeah it's definitely there there is a huge difference between vulnerable uh being vulnerable amongst people that you know and then mm-hmm. there's a huge whole different kettle of fish in being allowing yourself to be vulnerable in a sort of more public sphere exactly uh, where anyone can listen and and it's just like free reign mm-hmm. but um yeah I, i'm pleased to hear that you know i think it, it is good and it, you do have to be at a level of comfort i think within yourself you know hacking back to what i was saying before i think everybody does want to talk about what's going on with them or what has happened to them or what is is just in in their brain in their soul in their heart mm-hmm. to various different degrees but uh, i i feel personally listening to other people's stories, reading other people's stories, it, it does help a lot. And, and people want to be seen and heard without fear of judgment. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one area that it's helped me in too, is knowing I appreciate getting these stories from other people and, you know, hold them in the highest respect. And I'm just in awe half the time because people, what people have been through that you would never know just seeing them on the street or something like that. And so knowing that I'm not judging them, I am actually appreciating and respecting what they're saying. That's helped me know that if I open up a little bit, I'm probably not going to be judged the way that I would fear. And if I am, it really doesn't matter. It's probably because someone's dealing with something they haven't overcome yet. And it's their own thing. It's not my thing. Yeah. They're projecting their own insecurities rather than casting sort of like a sort of scornful judgment on you. Yeah. That's often the case. People often lash out, you know, whether it be, you know, you know, you don't see it that often, thankfully, in in real life. Yeah. But usually, behind like the the anonymity of a keyboard is usually because that person hitting those buttons isn't comfortable with themselves or what's happening with them, or don't know how to deal with what's happening with them, and exactly. and, and are looking to talk themselves or seek help, um, but lash out because somebody else is is doing what they desperately want to do themselves, but yeah. just can't bring themselves to at that point. Exactly. Um, yeah. Self-loathing. Uh, yeah, that's that's it. At the very core of it, you know, at the very core of just, just hateful uh, essence and, and being, it usually comes down to, to self-loathing and just not being able to accept what's going on with that person themselves or being able to find an outlet for it, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what talking in general really does help encourage. It not only gives people that are looking for that relatability but it uh, it shows other people that you can you can talk about these things people will and uh and do and you know it's good it's it's kind of like a cathartic cleansing experience mm-hmm. i mean there's also a real bravery to it as well that kind of gets overlooked as well because it can be extremely daunting especially if you've been through something that has had a huge effect on you and the rest of your life if you've been through a traumatic event it's extremely brave to actually open up in the huge different sphere of of the public realm about that thing. Right. And this is sort of leads us into that technology um, Mm -hmm. discussion, because while people sharing on a podcast is a little different than people sharing on social media, what's more prevalent in our lives is that people are opening up their lives to the public on social media every day because we have all this technology and you have to decide what you're comfortable with. And if people react like trolls, you have to know that, you know, it's them. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because like, and we could do a whole other episode and, and no doubt I will ask you back to talk specifically about technology because it is such a wide open ocean. But yeah, it's, it's especially the, the advent of social media has, it's given us all a lifeline in some ways, but it's also given us uh, like barriers. It's like set parameters for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of give and take with it. And, you know, to go full circle, there's a lot of duality. I think the idea that you have these sort of, for the most part, open source, uncensored platforms to talk about things that matter to you, that are important to you, that you've been through, that you've experienced, it does uh, give people that sense of being seen and heard. But you have to ask to what extent you will get some authentic conversations, some authentic replies, Mm -hmm. but we've become almost... uh, we become almost sort of trained to receive thumbs up and hearts as personal validation. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's kind of a little bit sad in a weird way. It's sad in, in the sense that like, not quite tragic. That's maybe overblowing. <laughs> it's, it's good because people are getting some sense of validation that they clearly are looking for, that they want, that they need, whatever it may be. But in such a, an easily accessible, easily disposable sort of transmission of just clicking a button Mm -hmm. and giving somebody like filling somebody's little red heart on Instagram or giving them like a blue thumbs up on Facebook and various other social media networks are available. (laughs) Um, It it gives you that instant gratification. Um, It's something that I've referred to in the past as uh, emotional pornography. It's there. It's instantaneous. It gratifies the need. But then once you've seen it, you're done. You move on to the next thing. 
Yeah. It's like that. It's like the quick fix for connection. We're all craving, Mm -hmm. but if you do it right, you can get real connections. Oh, for sure. We just have to do it right. You know, and, and Mm -hmm. like you said, balancing that duality is where I think we can get those real connections and discerning what a real connection is versus just, um, you know, like a like or instant gratification. You have to know the mm-hmm. difference, I think. Something that I'm personally trying to do more of um, in terms of like promoting the show and kind of reaching out to other people about certain topics that I'm talking about, instead of just pressing that little heart button or that like button, I'm just, I'm being more picky because it's so easy to just like a hundred posts with the same hashtag that your episode is concentrating on mm-hmm. and just throwing out those hundred likes with the hope that people will come back. I have no interest in in doing that now i much prefer the more slower sort of quality based over quantity approach where it's just like i will read through whatever the post is i'll look at it if it resonates with me if i feel something about it if i feel i can contribute to whatever they've added or i can initiate a conversation or answer a question they've asked that's what i'll do i just i can't just blitz through and just be like 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 because to me, it's it's demeaning to myself. It's demeaning to the person that's done it. And it just feels extremely hollow. And I feel like the way that social media is set out and technology uh, in the modern age is that you can so easily fall into that trap. But it's so much more rewarding if you just take a minute, look at what there is and see what you can, if you can, add anything to it. Or if you can kind of engage with that person yeah. on a much deeper level than just, yeah, this is nice. <laughs> exactly and it and, and like you said it's it's harder that way but mm-hmm. harder can be completely rewarding i mean it doesn't oh, have absolutely. to be easy to be good so most things that are rewarding are hard though i find brand new. i agree totally yeah. totally but yeah it's it's a real interesting sort of area to dive into about the idea of, of we do present ourselves online through technology, particularly through social media, mm-hmm. to a certain extent. And everyone's guilty of, of wanting to project the best version of themselves. Uh, you know, filters are probably one of the worst things <laughs> that the 21st century has given us in terms of like technological advances, because it just, it, it kind of strips away a sense of rawness. It strips away a sense of sincerity. But at the same time, on the other hand, it balances out a sense of comfort and like a boost in people's self-esteem. Uh, it's, a, it's a real, real sort of double-edged sword because so much of it gives to people something that they're looking for, that sense of being seen, that sense of validation, that boost in self-esteem and, and self-love. But at the same time, to, to what end is it truly genuine? One of the things that really does provide us uh, with a sort of great lifeline and a great platform that we didn't have with social for all the all the things that I find wrong with it and there are countless things that you can probably tell there are also a lot of great opportunities and platforms and avenues you know it does give us that sense of connectivity uh, with, with other people and I think this last year in particular has been a, a real sort of moment of vindication for that as a real example of proof of, of like how in a, in a lot of ways, pivotal and, and excellent, the idea of online technology, social media has been because it has connected us. I mean, I couldn't tell you how I would be feeling if I'd gone this hard because I haven't been back to England for two years mm. now. And had I not had this technology, had I not had that available to tell people how I'm doing, to kind of let them know and to also receive how they're doing and learn about the changes in their life and to sort of communicate with them. I can't honestly tell you how I would have dealt with that. That would have been really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Technology has been a lifesaver during the pandemic. And um, it's funny. I have this memory of, I actually have a really close relationship with my great grandmother when I was really young. and. We moved out of West Virginia when I was five and she stayed there and we would talk on the phone, you know, as I was getting older and I didn't go back. I didn't see her for years after we moved out of there. And I used to always say to her, 
gosh, I wish we had a TV telephone. Why can't we have a TV telephone, you know? And, and I think about that memory and now I'm sitting here looking at you, you're in Texas and I'm here Mm -hmm. in Tennessee and it's like our TV telephone, you know, we can see each other and um, going back to, you know, being able to see body language, being able to see the person so you can relate. And I think that is important. And technology has given us that without having to travel long distances and things like that. But also, like you said, when you're commenting on people's posts, instead of just blindly liking them, that's relationship building. And it is possible. I mean, I just think it is possible to build relationships on technology without being in person all the time, even though it has its downfalls. So I have a friend who was also in Texas when I first met him, mm-hmm. but I'm using air quotes because this guy has been my friend since, gosh, 2002, 2003, and we've never met in person. Mm-hmm. And um, I consider him someone who is very kind, who I like, who is doing great things in the world, and I appreciate his presence. And I would not have ever met him if it weren't for technology. We met on MySpace back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) That is a long lasting friendship. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, that is, that is very true. I I have people that I do consider friends who I've known for people that I've met on a message board 10 years ago. One of them I've had on the show twice now. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. um, And, you know, I actually wouldn't be here kind of going back to that whole idea of determinism, one thing leading to another and one thing happening because of another thing. I wouldn't actually be here right now talking to you if it wasn't for technology, not because of the way that we're actually communicating, but because it was technology that actually put me in Texas in the first place because I met my wife online. And for the longest, longest time, we didn't actually see each other. We just text, typed and spoke over Skype mm-hmm. without ever seeing So, yeah. And now you're it, together, exactly. happily married and I just have to, okay, I have to put in a shameless plug for Mal is coming on Human Amplified, and he's going to tell you all about that story in his episode. Yes, there you go. There's a part part two, I think. Yeah. Because I think this is coming out just before mine. So yeah, for part two of that story, a little cliffhanger. There you go. You have to go check out my episode on Human Amplified. Yep. Where can people find Human Amplified and uh, what have you got in store for them to go and sink their teeth into? Oh my goodness. Um... Well, you can find Human Amplified at humanamplified.com. The blog is there. The podcast is there. But you can also find the podcast on pretty much your favorite podcast platform of choice. And then, of course, we are very active on Facebook and Instagram. And then we have smaller presence on like Twitter, LinkedIn, and things like that. So um, yeah, it's our, our handle is at human amplified on the socials and humanamplified.com. Season three of the podcast is running from January to May of 2021. And we have a lot of cool things planned. So yeah, don't miss it. Awesome. I'm going to link everything in the show notes. So if you guys are browsing on the internet, you go over to dime-out.com and you can find all of the links to everything Brandy is doing over there. Chief plate spinner of Human Amplified because she's doing so many amazing things, guys. I do want you to go check them out because it is just brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, Thank you so much for jumping on and doing this. Yeah, Mal, thank you for having me. I am just, I was thrilled to be here. So thank you. guys that was me and my conversation with brandy fleck the ever wonderful brandy fleck yeah if you haven't checked out human amplified then please definitely do so i hope this has given you the curious itch to go check out all the good stuff they are doing over there as mentioned the best place to do that is to go visit their website humanamplified.com you can see all the amazing content they've created thus far and all the exciting stuff they've got for you in 2021 as for the podcast itself you can find all the stuff on the website but you can also find it pretty much as brandy said wherever you get your podcasts from speaking of that podcast in particular as teased 
at the sort of back end of this conversation, yeah, I am going to be on an episode of Human Amplified. It was pretty much in a similar vein to this, very the same sort of energy, the same sort of openness. It was an absolute blast to do. And uh, yeah, we're going to kind of dig deep into some some parts of me, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So if you were uh, if you want to kind of crack the veneer and get a little bit more into the inner mechanics of who I am, that's definitely a great place to do that. The episode is pretty much in sync with this. It airs very shortly after this one does. But to make sure that you don't miss that episode or any of the other episodes that Brandy and the Human Amplified team are putting out, the best thing you can do, and it also shows a great sense of support for what they're doing over there, is to subscribe to the podcast as I said, wherever it is you get your podcasts from. Likewise, if you are relatively new or even brand spanking straight out the box, fresh new to this show and you want to support us, the best way you can do that is also by subscribing to this show. Of course, you can go the extra mile. You can go and tell your friends, your family, your grandma, your granddad, your next door neighbor. You can you can shout it from the, the roof of your house. I wouldn't advise doing that, though, because not exactly safe. So let's scratch that off the list. Just stick to subscribing and sharing stuff online. That will do. That will do really well, actually. Thanks. If you are interested, and this is, as I always like to say, completely optional, because that is the truth. It is completely optional, but we do have an additional model of support, and that is through our Patreon account. We have one single tier, $5 a month, and that gets you a whole bunch of goodies, including an extra episode, live stream, access to the Dined Out Discord channel, which is basically an open sandbox, not just for discussing the episodes that have been, but the episodes that are yet to be. Yeah, it's a great opportunity for you to throw in ideas, topics, whatever you want. And it's just a great source of discussion and community over there as well. So yes, we do have that available again, if you're interested. If you're not, then that's totally cool as well, because... You know, the main show is and always will be free. The other stuff, well, it's just extras if you just want to indulge and maybe treat yourself a little bit. You've got the option there. All right, for next week's episode, I don't know what to say exactly. I can't really say too much without giving too much away. Because the less you know going into next week's episode, the better it's going to be. All I will say, and this is going to be very cryptic, which is pretty apt considering the cryptic nature of next week's episode, is I'm going to be exploring a website. A website that is extremely strange, that is bewildering, that is deeply layered, it is dense, it's got many rabbit holes, and I still, even now, don't know what to make of it. Yeah, it is a real source of strangeness, but hopefully (laughs) that strangeness will also be compelling. Yeah, that's it. That's all I'm going to tell you for next week. That is the hook that I'm leaving you with. But that is next week. As for this week, well, that's it. We're pretty much done. As always, thank you for listening. Look after yourselves. Look after each other. And until next time, when, yeah, we're just diving into something very strange, but hopefully compelling, keep it dimed out.